The scripture reading this morning from John 10, 7 to 18. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me, sorry, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Shirley. Well, we continue on our series of the I Am statements uh, of Jesus. And just as a reminder, as a callback for you, is we know, this is going to be dangerous, by the way. <laughs> That's going to be fun for me. Uh, it's a callback. Uh, it just caught out of the corner of my eye, just as an aside. And I just was like, whoa, what is that over there? All right. Uh, now that I know it's there, I'm well aware of it. I'll stay away from that side. You know this, I kind of like that side of the stage, too. Just as a callback, we're in the middle of this I Am statement series. And I am what Jesus is doing when he says, I am. He is claiming to be God. He is saying, I am God. That I am not just a mere mortal. I'm not just a good teacher. I'm not just a man. That I, in fact... Am God. Now, what's interesting about this passage when he says, I am the gate or I am the door and I am the good shepherd, he lets us know where his authority comes in. 
The great thing about what Jesus is doing here is he's reminding us that he lives in Trinity. So sort of above everything is it's a reminder for us that we're made and built by a creator who lives in community and he desires for us to be in community as well. Because that's how he operates. That's how he lives. So there's that place here where Jesus at the very end lets us know that he does what the Father asked him to do. That the Father is the one who's given him the authority. That the Father's the one who's given him the charge to do these things. So that while he's even saying, I am God, he is saying that in that Godhead, there is three distinct people with one essence. The Trinity, this divine dance that is taking place, this community that lives in an ever-pursuing loving relationship that obeys and listens and gives, where the Son listens to the Father and does what the Father says, and the Spirit operates to bring glory to the Son in order for us to know who God is most completely. And it's a pretty amazing thing to think about. And it's no wonder that the Jewish nation gets riled up about it and want to take him out. Remember, Jesus is pushing in. He's saying, I'm the Messiah, but I'm a Messiah that's different than what you want. I'm not just a king. I am God. And that's hard for us to hear in our lives because our automatic response, even though we don't want to admit it, is to say, but wait a minute, I am God. (laughs) I want to be God myself. And so what happens in our lives is we begin to pursue things that we think are given to us because we want to operate as God, not hearing him say, I am. And Jesus confronts some of those things in this place. Now, as Shirley was reading, you probably heard uh, this little verse that said right in the middle of kind of what she's reading. And it's probably a verse that you've seen put on plaques if you happen to go into Christian bookstores. It's probably something that you've maybe seen on t-shirts or bumper stickers. It's maybe one that you've maybe even memorized. It's one of those few verses that even if you've not been in uh, church before or you've been around Christians before, you maybe have even heard it said. And it's this verse. He says, the thief comes to only steal, kill, and destroy. We usually don't, usually don't see that part. But it says, I've come to give you life and have it abundantly. Eugene Peterson, in his message translation, puts it this way. I've come to give you life, life better than you've ever dreamed. Now, I think what's interesting about that is Eugene Peterson is is writing that translation in order to give us an easier understanding of maybe what was said. And I think it's one of those few places where Eugene probably gets closer to what our human hearts think when we hear abundant. Because when we think abundant, I think Eugene Peterson's got it where he says, better than you've ever dreamed. Oh, better than I've ever dreamed? Oh, you don't know how big I dream. Eugene Peterson. Last week in the States, my passport country, they had a lottery. And that lottery was over a billion dollars. B. Billion dollars. That's, and it got won by somebody, somewhere. Think about what they were doing when they looked at the numbers and saw that they won. After they got up the, off the floor from passing out, They double-checked, and then maybe they started dreaming of a life better than they've ever dreamed. 
I think that's where Eugene Peterson probably hit the nail on the head, and it actually should be something that's convicting to us. Not something that we go, yes, I deserve a life better than I've ever dreamed of. And what Jesus does by saying, I am the door and I am the good shepherd, is he steps into that place that says, you think you know what a life better than you've ever dreamed is about. But I have the answers to what an abundant life is. So let's kind of look at this passage as he's talking about and see those things that we maybe identify as places where we think, if I had that, then my life would be better than I ever dreamed. And see what Jesus' answer is as God, as the good shepherd, and as the gate. I think the first thing that we come to is this, that oftentimes when we think of a life better than we've ever dreamed is we think it's a life where we possess power. Uh, We don't want to put it that way because nobody ever really wants to stick their head up and be the one in power. We prefer to be middle management, right? That way you don't really get in trouble and you don't get blamed for things. But what we talk about here is that we want to have destiny of our own lives. We want to be the ones that have the right to make the decisions that make us happy. And that if I had power, whether that's an executive position or whether that is uh, just in my own household or whether that is because my body keeps falling apart and I'd like to have the power to live healthy again, we think that if all of a sudden I had power, then my life would be better than it would ever be, better than I could ever have dreamed that it would be. But what Jesus says, as the gate and as the good shepherd, his answer to us when we say we want power is he says, no, it is to be led. This life that is more abundant, this life that is better than we ever want, it's to be led. Now, to get that, we've got to jump up just a little bit before Shirley read. He he says it first, and he says, truly, truly, I say to you, uh, he who does not enter in the sheepfold by the door, but uh, climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens it, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls to his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought them all, all out, they are his own, and he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. And then it tells us that they didn't understand what Jesus was saying, so he stops, steps down and he reminds them again. He says, I am the door of the sheep. The thieves come in to kill and steal and destroy, but I've come to give life. I'm the good shepherd. What he's saying here is that a life abundant is a life of following. It's a life of being led. It's an understanding that I, even though I believe that I possess all sorts of wisdom, and even though I believe I possess all sorts of knowledge, and even though I believe I possess all sorts of experience, that those things will fail me. Because in the end, I turn my heart in on myself and the little emperor me elevates myself so high that I forget about God's call on my life. That it is to be in whole, truth, loving relationship with him and with myself and with all others and with place. And when I elevate myself to a place of power where I only receive everything that I would desire, then I come crashing down. 
but the good shepherd leads. An abundant life is one to follow. It's one that says, you are the creator of the world and you have laid this out and I hear your voice and I know it and I follow you. I, I, I don't remind you that maybe you're not doing it the way that I would like you to do it. And we'll get to that in a minute. Because there's a place here where I think he reminds the people he's talking to, I'm not going to do it the way you want me to do it. So the first key for us to understand what this abundant life is, this life better than we've ever dreamed, is that it's not about attaining power or self-direction, that it's actually about submitting and following. That God lovingly leads us to his goodness. The second thing that's interesting that I think maybe we think of when we hear the words an abundant life life is perhaps not all of us some of us are a little bit more risk-taking than others but some of us will want safety that a life better than we've ever dreamed is a life of safety a life where things are taken care of where things are orderly where things are perhaps just as we've perceived it and that there's no harm that can come to us Now, maybe that's physical harm, maybe it's emotional harm, maybe it's even spiritual harm, but we feel like that our life should be set up in such a way that it's safe. And it would seem to think that this is what Jesus is saying here, that yes, I bring safety. We see this as he says that there are those who come to still kill and destroy, but I've come to give you life. I am the good shepherd. The hired hand doesn't take care of you like a shepherd takes care of you, verse 12. He doesn't own the sheep. He sees the wolf and he runs away. But he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and they know me. And I lead them back and forth and I guide them to where they are going. Look at verse 9. I am the door. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. See, I think this is where we recognize what Jesus is doing. He's saying it's not about safety. Where's the safest place for a sheep? In the fold. The safest place for the sheep is in the fold, with the gate closed and the gatekeeper standing there, and the shepherd standing at attention, looking out everything. Because once you exit out of the sheepfold, there are things out there that can hunt and prowl and seek to destroy you. He says, look, I'm the gate. If you come through me, you have life, but you will go in and out. So it's not about our safety that he's worried about. As the good shepherd and as the gate, he tells us that an abundant life, a life that is better than you've ever dreamed, is one that is defined by security. Security, because it doesn't rest on what your circumstances are. It rests on who has you in their hand. Who has you in their care. See, it says, I'm going to allow you to move in and out of this fold. I'm going to allow you to go and find good pastures, because I know that if I just keep you in this fold, you're not going to grow. As a matter of fact, we'll trample all the grass down, and you'll eat it all, and, and eventually we'll have to move. 
but I'm going to send you out and in and out and in so that you can grow and become healthy and always knowing that I am the good shepherd who is watching over you. I am the one who cares for you. I am the one who leads you and protects you. And so in our own lives, as we seek to have a life better than we've ever dreamed, oftentimes we will set up in our minds little checklists to make sure things are safe. If I get too close to this person, I'll be hurt. So I want to be safe in my emotional relationship. So I'm not going to risk that. Or we feel called to do something that just seems extraordinarily odd by all circumstances and the people around us like move to the other side of the world or go visit Pakistan as somebody in our fellowship did at one point in her life. Which would seem extremely odd. And safety would dictate that's not smart. But security says, I'm taken care of. That though the flesh may fail, I am held on to. Interestingly enough, Jesus has to address this very thing just a little bit later in this passage because the Pharisees who are standing around, they they don't quite understand what he's saying. (laughs) And he says, look, let me tell you most clearly, you don't understand what I'm saying because you're not my sheep. You don't hear my voice correctly. And then he says this in verse 28, I give my sheep eternal life and they will never perish. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Security rests in the fact that we know when God has pursued us in His steadfast love to bring us into whole relationship with Him, with ourselves, with all other in place, it says that no matter what happens, that does not end. So I have security. So I can step into hard places in my life and know that I'll be hurt and I'll have to suffer the consequences in the flesh of that hurt. Yes. But I am secure because God loves me and he has pursued me. What's another way that we think to ourselves that I'm having a life better than I've ever dreamed? Well, some of us and we hate to admit it, it's possessions. (laughs) It's material things. It's having what we think is nice things. And and granted, every one of us here would have a different definition of nice. Every one of us here would definitely have a different definition of what we would consider flash and not flash. People see my house and they think it's flat. Well, my house is flash. But um, we've got that kind of mentality. And what really is the mentality is that this, what I have is not quite enough, so I need just a little bit more. And that'll be a life better than I've ever. Because none of us want to go, oh yeah, if I had a billion dollars, that'd be great. I mean, if I had a billion dollars, what would I do with it? But what we do is if I go, if I just had this much more, then that would be good. Or if I had this much more. It'd be good. It's about possessions. And what we don't recognize is that oftentimes that life better than we've ever dreamed, when we have those things that we think will make us happy, are the very things that enslave us. Because in order to have those things, those material possessions, those things that we have deemed worthy for us to have a life of abundance, are the things that we have to continue to work for, or scrape for, or change our morals for in order to attain and keep. 
And what the Good Shepherd says is that no, a life that is better than you've ever dreamed, a life of abundance, rests in this, not in the possessions that you have, but in knowing that you are owned. It's not about the things you acquire or the things that you have. It's knowing that you are owned by the loving, good shepherd, the God who knows you and loves you and understands you better than anything else. He says, I'm the good shepherd and I know my own. And my own know me. It's not a possessive ownership that God has here. It's not an ownership that he says, I have you and I'll never let you go. It's not something that he's even taken us and put us up on the trophy mantle in the trophy room and said, right here. Or the pool room, I guess, if you want to say that. Right here. I, I, I like them. I honor them, but just leaves them aside. What he means like that when he says, Are my own, it's an, a, a relational word it's a word that says we are together it's that word where you take own and you add k into it and it becomes known that's what jesus is meaning that we are his possession not in a materialistic way but we are his possession in that we are in him and our whole being is found in that place so we are led, we have security, <laughs> we are owned. And then, very easily, the thing that maybe many of us struggle with most when we think about a life better than we've ever dreamed is just if people would like us. Just if I would be liked. If I'd be accepted. If people would allow me to be who I think I'm supposed to be. And they wouldn't push in and try and transform me or change me or they just like me for how I am. We feel lonely. It's an epidemic. We feel like there's nobody that really knows my heart. We walk down the streets and we see people and we'll say hi, but we know they don't know what's going on. And we just like them to like us. Just reach out to us. And what we're reminded here is that the Good Shepherd knows us. He knows our name. He knows us and He pursues us. He comes to us in a way that is beyond. Now what happens to us often in this pursuit of light and, and being known is we come to a place, and let me just speak to those of us who have been in church for a little bit. We come to a place where we're like, I'm liked and I'm known. I'm liked by the people that are around me and I'm known by the people that are around me. And so we begin to sort of conflate those two things together where me being known by God means that I'm accepted and liked in this place. And what ends up happening is we go, so then it's only people who are like me that can be known by God. It's a real easy trip. That's why Jesus has to put this little phrase in this passage about being the good shepherd and the gate. He says it in verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also. 
and they will listen to my voice. And so there will be one flock and one shepherd. Too often in our pursuit of this life better than we've ever dreamed, this life of abundance, we find a group of people that we connect with in a way and we say, yes, this is where I'm liked and known and understood. And so that means God likes and knows and understands me. And it's only if you act this way or you respond this way or you understand it this way that is this. That's what the Jewish nation had done. See, Jesus is speaking specifically at this point in time in history about you all who are Jewish think you're the only ones, but there are sheep that are Gentiles that I need to go grab and bring them in. They would consider them dogs, not sheep. And what he's reminding them is to say, no, look, I have my sheep. I don't have the sheep you think are sheep. I have my sheep. And some of them aren't here right now. Some of them are over here. And I'm going to call them, and they're going to hear my voice, and they won't help but come and join my flock, my fold. And when they do, you're going to recognize that they're not like you. They're different. But you have to love them because they've heard my voice and responded to me as the good shepherd. That's hard for us. And so there are times where we have to admit to ourselves, I like my little fold. I like the way it looks and the way it operates. And God might be pushing us in our likeness and saying, I need some of the sheep from over here to come here. <laughs> and we have to be willing to open our hearts to that. We have to be willing to say, if they're hearing the good shepherd calling them, then we must respond to them as if they are his sheep. Because he says they are. And so I have to sometimes put aside things that I'm like, they tick the box that look like me, they must be sheep. And say, I don't quite understand this, and maybe that's just because I'm a sheep. And from what I understand, sheep aren't that smart. But what we do know about sheep is this. They're valuable. At that time and place, and even in Australia, at this time and place, sheep are valuable. They might be stupid. They might run off. But if it were not for sheep, those men and women, they wouldn't have survived. They wouldn't have clothes. They wouldn't have food. You realize that sheep in Australia helped bring about wealth and prosperity. Before there was gold, there was wool. Before there were iron ore, there was wool. That still, even to this day, Australia provides over half the world with half of all the wool that they need. That's incredible. That's a long way for wool to go in most places because it's valuable. And so when Jesus is saying you're sheep, he never is looking at us and going, stupid, stupid people. He's saying, my valuable sheep. You're so valuable, he says here in this passage as the good shepherd, that the good shepherd lays down his Life. No one would lay down their life for something stupid. Only for what is valuable. 
And praise be to God that he is the one who says, as God, I tell you this, you are valuable. And I've come to give you life better than you've ever dreamed. And stop dreaming the way that you dream. As a matter of fact, I've come to give you life better than I've dreamed. And it's a life of security and a life where you follow and a life where you are owned by me and where you are known by me. Let me pray for us. Father God, let us hear your words. Let us know that they are your words. And if they aren't your words, Father, we just pray that you will take them away, that they will burn up and they will go the way of the wind, that they will just fade away. But if they are your words, Lord, we pray that they will take root in our heart, that they will strengthen us to step into the places that you are calling us, and that they will ultimately bring glory to you. It's in your name we pray. Jesus, amen. Would you stand?